Welcome to the IAB Policy Podcast, where we provide expert commentary and analysis on the legal and regulatory developments impacting the digital advertising industry. My name is Alex Propes, and I'm the Vice President of Public Policy for the IAB, based in Washington, D.C. In today's conversation, I get to sit down with Jordan Crenshaw, who is the Executive Director and Policy Counsel of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Technology Engagement Center, or CTEC. During our discussion, we'll talk about private rights of action, which have become one of the most contentious issues in the debate over federal privacy legislation. In particular, we'll delve into who benefits from private rights of action, what impact they have on innovation, and what we can learn from the dozens of lawsuits that have already been brought under the California Consumer Privacy Act. I hope you enjoy. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Alex, uh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So most of our listeners should be generally aware of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the work that you do, but could you describe a little bit more about the Technology Engagement Center in particular? Sure thing. So the Chamber Technology Engagement Center, or, or CTEC, uh, as we call it, uh, is really the, the tech hub of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And uh, we were stood up uh, about five years ago to tell the story of how technology is improving uh, the lives uh, of, of Americans uh, and to grow the economy. Uh, while at the same time uh, arguing for rational policy solutions. And, and I know many times uh, it's, it's said that the business community uh, is against regulation in general. I think that could be further from the truth. And we've, we've uh, really pursued smart regulation uh, to make sure that the customers, consumers, and the general public feel comfortable using the technology uh, that we're, we're promoting and trying to maximize. And as part of CTEC's work, uh, we've actually handled um, uh, actually five different issue areas. So uh, I directly lead uh, a data privacy working group that consists of nearly 270 companies and trade associations. Uh, we have a telecommunications uh, committee. Uh, we actually just released broadband principles for bridging the digital divide and also the homework gap today. Uh, and then we also have working groups devoted to artificial intelligence, um, autonomy, uh, and then also the, the future of work issues and the new economy. So a lot going on, uh, but at the center of all of that is data and uh, happy to get into uh, the conversation of data privacy today. Yeah, I think we could have a separate podcast episode for every one of those categories or a series for each. But uh, in particular today, it would be great to delve into privacy, which is certainly of utmost importance to the, the data economy and many of our members that work specifically in advertising. So We've had the pleasure of working with you over the years on this push for federal privacy legislation, uh, which we think is a logical approach and very much in line with what you just highlighted, smart regulation, not no regulation, right? That's that's really what we're looking for. And I think this privacy is a perfect example of that and how the business community has been rallying behind a comprehensive framework here. Um, but one of the biggest points of contention in Congress right now is the decision of whether or not to include a private right of action. And I know this is an issue that you've spent a significant amount of time on. So could you talk a little bit more about what a private right of action is for our audience? So generally speaking, when you have a regulatory framework, uh, there are two types of enforcement for whatever law you have. The first would be uh, a government agency getting involved, and that's regulatory enforcement. Uh, the second is a private right of action in which you give uh, the ability of private citizens to act as their own enforcers uh, to sue in court uh, for violations of any particular act. And we see this in citizen suits uh, for things like the Clean Water Act and the Clean Air Act. But we also have seen this in many tech-centered uh, laws as well, too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's our thinking in terms of the business community that 
uh, you know, private rights of action are not the most efficient way uh, to solve the problems uh, that we're seeing uh, dealt with in many of these laws. And especially when it comes to tech, we think the, the individual agencies uh, like the Federal Trade Commission are the best positioned and, and most experienced uh, to be able to, to enforce and regulate uh, many of the uh, industries that they're, they're looking at in terms of privacy. And the chamber delved into this issue in more detail last year when you published a report entitled Ill-Suited Private Rights of Action and Privacy Claims. I was wondering if you could give a bit of an overview about what you found in that report, uh, you know, what you were looking for, what inspired it. Yeah, so I, I definitely want to give a shout out uh, to the Chamber's Institute for Legal Reform and, and the work that um, uh, Oriana Senator uh, is doing over on the liability side of privacy. Uh, they released the report uh, that dealt with uh, really talking about how private rights of action are, are not best positioned uh, to um, enforce privacy claims. And, and I think it really boils down to four issues. Uh, the, the first is the private rights of action really uh, do undermine uh, appropriate agency enforcement and, and, and allows plaintiff's lawyers to set policy nationwide uh, when this is something that really should be done on an agency and congressional level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is uh, that they can lead to a series of inconsistent and, and dramatically varied rulings from district to district. And you know, one of the things that we've talked about with data privacy legislation in general is that we want to see consistent, uniform rules of the road. And when you have private attorneys getting into the mix, in addition to, you know, also when state attorneys general can also enforce as well, too, uh, you're getting into a lot of different uh, court cases where you could have different interpretations of the law. And it goes against the entire point of having uniformity and certainty. Uh, and, and we at the chamber believe that all Americans should have equal privacy rights under the law. Uh, the third uh, issue that we've seen with private rights of action you know, and combined with, with some of the powers that are granted through the federal rules of civil procedure is that private rights of action really are abused by plaintiff's attorneys. And in many cases, we see uh, that, that they're used really in a lot of cases to extract settlements and really aren't in the best interest of the actual plaintiffs. Uh, and then finally, uh, and fourth, uh, you know, we're worried uh, about the potential for the hindrance of innovation and consumer choice. Um, I'll give you, for example, uh, Illinois has the Biometric Information Privacy Act, um, which uh, has some pretty strict requirements for how biometric uh, data is used, collected, and shared. Um, and that also has a private right of action attached to it as its enforcement mechanism. And we have actually seen some pretty innovative uh, uses of technology um, actually uh, pulled out of, of states like Illinois because of the fear of, of private lawsuits. Um, it, Texas also has done the same thing. We've also seen some uh, legislation on those issues from Washington State. But, but we also think that consumers lose uh, when you have frivolous lawsuits threatening innovation. That makes a lot of sense. And thinking about this from a consumer perspective quickly, I can you know sympathize with the idea that you want recourse when you are concretely harmed. But it sounds like in many of these laws, we're not talking about concrete harm. Is that safe to say? Yes, and that's exactly right. Um, you know, and it, there was a case recently uh, in, in the U.S. Supreme Court uh, a few years ago, Spokio, that then actually said that um, when courts are looking at these issues, that they need to look at them to see if they're both concrete and particularized. Uh, the problem is in a lot of these cases, they're just statutory violations and there's not actually harm uh, involved uh, to the consumer or tangible harm. Um, you know, I, I think when we're, we're looking at the issue of, of how consumers 
uh, are, are affected by these lawsuits. I think one of the things we have to think about, once again, is the innovation issue. But in a lot of these cases, when we're dealing with class actions, the, the plaintiffs aren't even really collecting uh, a lot of the, the fees. In fact, it's the, it's the attorneys who are collecting the majority of them. So, um, you know, so I, that, that would be, you know, our concern for consumers that this is not the most efficient and this is, in fact, actually exacerbating uh, the problem in a lot of ways. I think that's an important reframing. And you mentioned earlier the the Illinois biometric law. And there we've seen consumers lose out on access to innovative products. Uh, and beyond that, I think you pointed out a really interesting example uh, in the, the report that found that companies are perhaps more hesitant to use new uh, cutting edge security features. Um, you know, if we think about access to buildings, often it makes sense to have some sort of biometric security feature there. And uh, so this actually could have you know, negative consequences on data protection, on security, uh, as well as, you know, a lot of other negative ramifications. And Alex, I'd like to note, too, I mean, and even outside the biometric world, you know, we've seen a, a, a desire to over-regulate when it comes to data privacy. And, you know, I, I think it may be a little counterintuitive to say, but, you know, we've actually seen reports that the more, more data you use, sometimes you actually can make consumers more secure. And we released a report um, last year talking about how uh, even though uh, the incidences of uh, data breach were increasing, we've actually found that the numbers with regard to identity theft have remained pretty flat. And, and one of the reasons that, that this is happening is because um, we're able to collect from larger data sets to verify identity uh, using technologies such as artificial intelligence to say, uh, that, you know, this is probably not this person's uh, who's using this credit card, for example. Uh, so, you know, the, there are uses of data that are actually uh, increasing security. And that's, and that's what our fear is that we'll see. Uh, laws with private rights of action uh, cut down on that pool of data, as well as even uh, looking at places like California, which are starting to uh, impose restrictions as well, too. Yeah, I think those are great examples. And it really goes to the point that data is not just about you know social media or uh, technology companies. Data is used across the board, whether it's financial institutions to provide more security. And the example you highlighted, uh, you know, medical applications, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so I think, you know, the, the work you're doing is highlighting just how crucial that is to the modern U.S. economy and the implications for getting privacy laws wrong uh, are magnified as a result of that. Well, we're, we're, we're happy to help and happy to partner with you on this. We want to make sure that we, we get the right privacy laws in place and, and make sure that we have the right enforcement mechanisms, too. So one of the most prominent state privacy laws out there right now, of course, the California Consumer Privacy Act or CCPA, uh, this has a limited private right of action. And I know there have been some cases now coming out. Uh, any takeaways from, from what we're seeing so far uh, under the CCPA PRA? Yeah, so, so the CCPA uh, does not have a traditional private right of action when it comes to privacy. Um, you know, for example, many privacy laws have notice and choice requirements. They have uh, reporting requirements with regard to just privacy. Uh, CCPA does not have an explicit private right of action uh, in that area, but it does have a private right of action when it comes to unauthorized access and data breach of, of non-redacted and unencrypted data 
um, that falls into a few categories. And, and some of them are, uh, for example, it's a first initial and first name in combination with the last name in combination with things like social security number, driver's license number, uh, medical information, health insurance information, some of the more sensitive data out there that you know generally does deserve a little bit more heightened scrutiny. Uh, the problem is with CCPA, it has a strict uh, um, uh, $100 to $750 uh, claim per pop that you could actually get uh, from each plaintiff. So let's take a look at a case like Equifax. And if you have 140 uh, million affected uh, individuals, that starts getting litigation into the billions. And, and that, uh, you know, that that's that's, you know, maybe a, a large company like that even can't even handle uh, that kind of litigation, let alone small businesses, if they're impacted by a private right of action. But uh, but the other thing we're seeing, too, is that states like California have unfair and deceptive trade practices laws as well. And many of them have private rights of action. And, you know, one of the things I think we're beginning to see in the trends and uh, litigation out there is that, yes, we are starting to see some cases out there that are strictly being brought under uh, the CCPA privacy regimes. There's a case called Barnes versus Hannah Anderson. Uh, but then there's one called Burke versus Clearview AI. And we've heard some of, uh, there have been some stories out there in the media about Clearview and facial recognition. But Clearview uh, has, has been alleged to have uh, not provided adequate notice and choice um, and, and under the CCPA. And there's a lawsuit being brought under the uh, unfair competition law uh, out in California, uh, citing that violation of CCPA is basically being a violation of their unfair competition law. So that's where we're still starting to see some problems out there when it comes to uh, you know lawsuits being filed as kind of backdoor filings. Uh, for example, the state of Washington uh, had a privacy bill that got very close to being uh, uh, passed into law earlier this year. At the very last minute, there was an attempt to put language in that uh, proposal that would have said that a violation of the Washington uh, bill would have been a, a, a per se violation of the unfair and deceptive trade practices law in Washington, subjecting uh, companies to private rights of action. And it's for that reason uh, the chamber stepped in uh, and kind of took an unprecedented step there um, and, and, and decided that that was something that uh, its members could not uh, accept uh, from a state bill. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's what we're seeing. We're seeing uh, some creative lawyering uh, when it comes to this unfair and deceptive competition uh, environment out there in the states. Mm -hmm. But it's also another reason why we're, we're advocates of national privacy legislation. So we have one clear set of rules for the road uh, so that you know your enforcer and you know what the, the rules of the road are as well, too. Well, that's a good transition for the next question or two that I wanted to ask. Um, but just on that point, it's yeah, it's interesting to see the incentive that these plaintiffs' attorneys have to really look for any loophole or any way to bring these private rights, since they are so lucrative uh, for themselves, even if they're not so lucrative for their clients. Um, so I think that's important. Watch out, and and certainly makes sense to weigh in where we're seeing problems uh, in state legislation. But on the topic of federal privacy legislation, you've been you've done a tremendous amount of work on this. Uh, I know you've worked uh, with your members to draft model language. Can you talk a bit about where Congress is in this journey towards a, a federal privacy law? Yeah, Alex, I think that's a that's a, a good segue into the conversation about uh, federal data privacy legislation. In fact, you know, I, we've seen uh, numerous proposals uh, across the board, whether or not they be specific to social media, 
um, you know, like Kennedy and Klobuchar, or whether or not they are more uh, broad sweeping privacy proposals uh, for for all business. And, you know, on the House side, uh, we've seen uh, legislation that's been uh, uh, put out by Representatives Eshoo and Lofgren uh, that uh, mirrors uh, legislation that was proposed recently by Senator Brown of Ohio that would call for a, a new independent agency uh, that would regulate and enforce data privacy with things like private rights of action, with uh, with also uh, criminal penalties as a possibility as well too. Uh, and, you know, so a lot of different prescriptive uh, requirements. Um, we've also seen uh, legislation like Representative Del Bene in Washington, uh, who has put forward a proposal that would provide some preemption uh, and and provide somewhat of a national standard, but um, require opting in for the usage of sensitive data and the processing of sensitive data and sharing of it. Uh, and then the other side where I think a lot of the action really is going to uh, happen in terms of where we'll probably see the proposal if and when it does pass uh, will probably come out of Senate Commerce. Uh, Senator Wicker has proposed uh, a bill that would uh, effectively uh, give preemption. There's no private rights of action. There is state AG enforcement. Uh, but at the same time, uh, for the most part, it's it's generally an opt-out bill with an opt-in for, for sensitive data. Uh, has some accountability requirements uh, in there as well. Uh, and finally, uh, Senator Cantwell, who's the ranking member over at, at Commerce, has introduced her own proposal, um, and that has uh, some pretty broad uh, duties of loyalty, uh, which basically mean that if you do something that harms a consumer and that harm is not really defined, uh, then you would be in violation of the act. Uh, and that's coupled with a private right of action. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's some concern, uh, you know, uh, how would you limit uh, uh, lawsuits in that case? Uh, and there is uh, conflict preemption uh, in that proposal. Um, so so that's where the landscape is in the proposals. You know, I, 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 I love to be optimistic, but I don't think we're probably going to see a bill passed this year uh, that's comprehensive in nature. I think that's going to mm -hmm. be something that's teed up for next year. Um, but we're all doing our homework and uh, getting ready for for that time frame. But you know, at, at the time being, I think a lot of the uh, effort on data privacy is focused on um, the COVID nineteen efforts as well. Yeah, most recently we've seen a number of bills introduced around COVID nineteen privacy and and relating to track and trace apps and other tools to help uh, fight the current pandemic. Curious for your thoughts on those proposals and if you see them as helpful towards getting towards a, a comprehensive federal privacy standard or a distraction. You know, I, I, I think uh, they are helpful in a way. I mean, I think we're beginning to see states like California, even Kansas are considering contact uh, tracing and uh, COVID-19 privacy. So, you know, if we begin to see a patchwork emerge, you know, a uh, a, a national standard for COVID would be useful. And, and we've seen that Senator Wicker has proposed uh, COVID-19 privacy language that would attempt to preempt uh, some of the state and local uh, rules regarding COVID-19. Um, but at the same time, too, I think we're really starting to kind of see some of the fault lines uh, for the broader privacy debate of, of where members of Congress uh, may actually land, the ones who are involved in, in, in crafting comprehensive legislation. What I would say is that it is important that we're looking at, at this at the U.S. Chamber particularly through the lens of um, return to work. And, you know, as, as the business community is searching for, for temporary, timely, and targeted liability protections for companies to, to get their employees back on the job as a result of COVID-19, 
we don't want to see uh, any privacy bills uh, that would uh, impose uh, liability with a private right of action just for collecting data. Uh, so, you know, you don't have liability for having your workers on the job, uh, but at the same time, you'd still have liability for keeping track if your employees are safe on the job. And I think that mm. that's, that goes uh, against uh, uh, that principle of limited liability. But, you know, we're, we're seeing a few bills pop up. Uh, there is um, one that was put forward by um, Representative Eshoo and Del Bene and uh, Senators Blumenthal and Warner um, that would uh, broadly regulate uh, health data regarding COVID-19. It has a private right of action. Um, Wicker has a bill, too, uh, that actually has some explicit carve-outs for workplace screening, uh, does not have a private right of action. And then also, too, uh, very recently, Senators Cantwell and Cassidy, and, and Cassidy is actually uh, from the medical field himself, uh, put forward a bill with regard to uh, health uh, COVID-19 apps that have automated notification. Uh, and so it's, it's really more scoped toward that very narrow subset of technology. There's no private right of action. There's no preemption there, but it does have some requirements like opt-in for collecting use and, uh, and and sharing of that data. And that's across the board for all of these uh, proposals as well. So, you know, I, 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 it, it's possible we'll see one of these pass, but we're, we're going to continue to monitor them uh, as the chamber and work to try to see if we can get um, uh, a good result for our members. That's a helpful overview. And we see that even in the context of COVID-19, this concept uh, or debate over private right of action as opposed to agency enforcement continues to, to pop up. And you know, when it comes to those that are opposed to agency enforcement and in favor of a private right of action, uh, in addition to agency enforcement, uh, I think one of the, the complaints you hear is that agencies just don't have the resources or the time or the ability or authority to properly enforce these laws. I, I was curious for your thoughts on on that line of reasoning, um, especially in light of some of the you know cases we've seen. Just look at Facebook, where you have you know penalties that that do seem to to go beyond um, what we've seen in Europe and and have a real impact on how the marketplace responds. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're onto something in terms of uh, dealing with uh, do agencies are they better positioned to regulate and enforce privacy than a private right of action? And, and and we would actually say at the chamber that you know we support funding to make sure that these agencies are capable of handling the, the workload uh, that they have. I think with the new comprehensive privacy law, you're going to have to staff up. And I we, there was a recent hearing in Senate Commerce. Uh, with, with, with five different companies, including uh, CDT, actually. And all of them across the board said there's going to have to be increased funding for FTC to, to enforce mm -hmm. a, a federal privacy law. At the same time, too, I'll say this, is that uh, we think that especially uh, private rights of action have the ability to really uh, harm legitimate companies that are, that are maybe technically in violation of the law, but really not harming consumers. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, the Telephone Consumer uh, Protection Act uh, is a is a law that is designed to stop robocalls, uh, and you have the ability to sue uh, if if a company is in violation of that act. What we're seeing though uh, with that uh, law is that many legitimate companies, like small restaurants, are getting sued for sending out texts making technical violations. Um, at the same time, are we seeing a reduction in robocalls? Uh, so. Mm -hmm from the truly bad actors. And I think that that's a point to be made is that 
you know, these laws aren't really, you know, the private rights of action aren't effectively stopping many of these other privacy issues. So, you know, we, we would we would make the argument that it's the FTC is best positioned. They have the experience, but they, you know, we want to make sure that they have enough people uh, at their desk and out in the field able to uh, to investigate any complaints that would come from a new privacy law. Well, our guest today has been Jordan Crenshaw. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us. Alex, it's been great. Uh, thank you again. And uh, make a shameless plug. Uh, we'd ask you if you'd like to take a look at any of the things we're doing at CTEC. You can visit us at AmericanInnovators.com. Uh, and thank you again. Great. Thank you.